our Democrat of the day is looking to be the new DFL uh, representative for uh, 32B, which is up in the North Metro. Matt Norris is kind enough to join us to talk about his campaign. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Good. It's good to be with a fellow Matt. <laughs> Indeed, we it is. It's it's Matt and Matt here. I, I want to say I was kind of funny because I knew I was interviewing you today, and I saw uh, your your tweet about you were at the Blaine City Hall, the League of Women Voters Forum. You showed up. Your opponent didn't. That's too bad. <laughs> it was. You know, I I was surprised and, and disappointed. I think you know the voters deserve to hear from both candidates. Uh, I think both candidates should stand for questions from the the voters and and make sure that their positions on the issues are well known in the community. And I've been working really hard. I've knocked 8,000 doors personally. Our team is closing in on 25,000 doors knocked. So we've been out in the community. Uh, I've been having lots of conversations, hearing what is important to the voters in our community. So I was disappointed uh, that my opponent uh, apparently didn't want to take that opportunity. What heavy hitting questions did you have to to sustain yourself from from the League of Women Voters? <laughs> you know that's the thing. Uh, there there weren't any real you know tough questions. These are just the questions that I've been getting since mid March when I stopped or when I started knocking doors. Uh, you know questions about you know what should we do with the state surplus? Uh, questions about uh, you know, how do we improve our education system here in Minnesota? How do we make sure that everybody has affordable health care? These are the sorts of, you know, common everyday questions that you should be able to easily respond to as a candidate. Uh, for everyone out there, we should mention, let's just talk a little bit the soap opera that is this district. There was a Republican representative. She was actually redistricted out of this district. So we're looking at a brand new district in 32B. Uh, and uh, a brand new nation. And, and 32B, is it basically the southern part of Blaine? It is. It's, it's more or less the southern two-thirds of Blaine and then also the city of Lexington. Mm-hmm. And this was, like I said, this has been a Republican seat, but once again, this is one of those districts with the redistricting. It actually, I believe, is a, a, a slightly lean Democrat now because things have changed. So it's a prime opportunity for you. Why don't you take some time and introduce yourself? Who exactly is Matt Norris? Yeah, well, you know, I got started in community service at the ripe old age of 16. (laughs) Uh, I was appointed at the time to the Citizen Long Range Improvement Committee in my hometown of Brooklyn Park. Uh, And I actually had the opportunity there to lead an effort where we were able to reduce violent crime by 40% over a five-year period. And we did it in a comprehensive way. We uh, expanded policing, but we also changed up some of the ways we did policing to build stronger connections between the cops and the community. Uh, we expanded after-school programs and jobs for young people, and you know it worked. It added up to a forty percent decrease in violent crime, and I I think that's a really valuable skill set to bring to the state capitol uh, at a time like this. And and that experience really showed me the power that you can have as a citizen advocate, and it. Uh, set me down this track of commitment to community service. You know, from there, I helped uh, launch an initiative that's provided over $10 million in uh, capital for startups and small businesses. I founded a nonprofit program that's provided after-school programs and computer devices to 
uh, students in over 200 cities across the state of Minnesota that wouldn't otherwise be able to afford those opportunities. Uh, and then I've also been able to lead the effort at the state capitol to get three bills passed just as a private citizen, and each time did it with support from both Democrats and Republicans. So I'm someone who can you know, work with both sides to actually get things done and deliver results, which is what I think a lot of voters, especially in a swing district like mine, are looking for. The can I can I ask is the the Blaine Sports Complex? This is in your district, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. This is one of the big things, and I'm very glad you brought this up because I actually talked about this uh, as uh, the the soccer cup that was up there this summer. My kids were up there. I had been in your district numerous times over the years yep. with my kids and playing soccer. 65 Central Avenue is a freaking mess, and it has to be addressed. This is something that you are, you're not shying away from. It features very heavily on your campaign, and I think it's because, and frankly, I would agree with you wholeheartedly, is when it comes to a political issue, this is what they call low-hanging fruit. It's something that is clearly a problem everyone can relate to, and it needs to be fixed and fixed immediately. Talk a little bit about your thoughts on Highway 65 through that district, which absolutely need to be upgraded at this point. You're absolutely right. And, and I think your experience is the same one that many Minnesotans and many people from outside of Minnesota have had. The, the National Sports Center is the number two tourist attraction in the state of Minnesota behind the Mall of America. So this isn't Highway 65 is not an issue that just plagues people here in my district. It's uh, the experience that people from all over Minnesota have when they come to Blaine. It's the experience that people from across the country and across the world have when they come to Minnesota. And we don't want that experience to be sitting in traffic or even worse, uh, getting into an accident along what's one of the most uh, dangerous corridors of roadway here in Minnesota. So we need about $140 million more to get the project done. There's a plan. Uh, the city has been able to secure a little bit of money so far to, to start making some progress. But we're going to need about $140 million for this project. And that's where I think that experience I have of you know working productively with both sides to actually get bills passed at the Capitol is really important. And that's how we deliver results for our district. And, and you contrast that with my opponent. Uh, he only introduced 12 bills in his first term, which is the fifth least among all the members in the Minnesota House. None of them related to Highway 65. He says he introduced 10 bills for Highway 65, but those were all bills that other members introduced, and he just put his name on as a, a co-author. So I'm looking forward to getting elected and tackling that and making sure that we get this fixed, not just for people here in Blaine and Lexington, but for all the people who come uh, to the Sports Center and the 3M Open and everything else that we've got in our district. Indeed, and, and that's one of the things, and, I, and I'll, I'm, I'm saying this, not you, but I, I mean, the, the Republicans are told they can't, they don't do, have any initiative. They can't do things on their own. They can only be do, done what they told, which is not good when you have a problem like this, which needs immediate addressing. When you talk about this, why don't you, and I don't know how much you, you want to get into the policy on this, because I'm fascinated about this. I, I worked for Metro Traffic for many years. I saw traffic patterns and stuff like this. Driving up there, there's those traffic lights you have there. 
it, it is a problem. And once again, it's it's the trade-off. You don't want necessarily, people don't want to necessarily encourage a lot of fast-moving traffic there. But the the the, the way it gets backed up in those commun- in that community, it needs to be reimagined. What is the plan that you are, are, are kind of agreeing to in regards to Highway 65? What will that look like if your plan comes to fruition? Yeah, one of the things that we've done over the past couple of years is worked with MnDOT to really engage the community to figure out what do we need that roadway to look like, what are the needs in the community, what are the current challenges with the road, and then come up with a plan that's going to deliver on that. And the current plan that they've come up with is at all the key intersections between 99th and 117th. What we would do is we would actually have Highway 65 go up over the local roads. So we would separate, they would be separated grade intersections. Highway 65 would go up over, uh, and then you would have kind of a series of frontage roads and some roundabouts that would allow the local roads to go through. And what I, there's a couple of things I like about that plan. First of all, it eliminates the stoplights, which will help yes. create better flow of traffic, and also avoid the, the dangerous you know, head-on or, or T-bone crashes that you too often see uh, along that roadway. Two, it allows us to get more free-flowing traffic without actually having to add lane miles. Um, just by eliminating yeah. those stoplights, it's going to get the free flow. And then it also allows for better pedestrian access by having those local roads. People are scared to cross Highway 65 on foot or on a bike. Uh, so having the local roads go un- under uninterrupted will allow for more pedestrian access in our community, too. And that is that last part. Let's just talk about that. That that is just basic freaking common sense. And the same thing that happened up on US 10 up in the Northwest Metro for many years. You just got to make it. It's uh, we understand it's a growing community, and that's a wonderful thing. It, Blaine is brilliant. I've been up there a lot. I like it. It you shouldn't have one road being such a de- uh, deterrent to your community. And having it to, you know, the, the real trick is making it so it's servicing the volume of traffic it has, but it's still safe. And the reality is I would not send my kid across 65 right now on a bike or on foot. I just wouldn't because it's just such a busy highway. By fixing this, by having this plan, and this, I, I can talk transportation stuff all day. Uh, by having this great plan, <laughs> I, I think that what you've just described is it, absolutely exactly what they need up there because – then the other thing I like about your plan, which you didn't say this, but it clearly is developed to where future expansion can happen without being too intrusive. Exactly. And and you mentioned, you know, not letting your kids cross that road. Uh, I wouldn't either. And and that makes for divisions within our community. You yeah. kind of get this, there's East Blaine and West Blaine, and we don't want to see that. And it also hurts the businesses along that corridor because, you know, maybe... Uh, there's a young kid who wants to work at Target on the opposite side of 65, but the family doesn't have a second or a third car. Uh, and so then are they supposed to try to cross 65 on foot or on a bicycle? And we've heard lots of instances where the parents say, no, that's, that's too dangerous. You can't go get a job there on the other side of 65. Uh, so for all the reasons you articulated so well, this is a plan we've got to get done. And it's going to be the first bill that I introduce uh, if I'm fortunate enough to get elected. I know. I'm hoping a few other people sign on with that because I don't, you just said it. It's not just your district. And this is, yes, it's a local issue for you, but it's a local issue for everyone because so many people go up there. We just need to have, it's a great asset. We should not lose 
um, events at these facilities because it's just too tough to get up there. This is basically a common sense investment, just the same exact way when they redid Cedar Avenue, Old Shakopee Road, all 494, all around the Mall of America to make sure people could get in and out there. It's just the same exact thing, and I think I, I really like that idea, guys. It's a, it's a local issue I could talk about for hours, but let's get into something else here. Let's uh, your education issue. It, you know, it is interesting. Blaine is that community. It's you know when I was a kid, I, I you know back in the eighties. I mean, Blaine was farm country. It would, no one was up in Blaine really. It just started developing. Yep. Today it is growing, and it is it's a it's a cute community. You've got six ten there. There's easier accessibility. You can get around a lot easier. So more people are considering moving up there. I know three people, as a matter of fact, who've all moved up into that district in the last five years. And so the question here is how how do you maintain you know, kind of that, you know, sleepy suburb kind of mentality while gr- encouraging the growth to happen at the same time. It is an important balance. And it's one of the common things I hear on the door is, uh, you know, people are encouraged by the growth. They like to see a, a growing community, but they also don't want to lose that, you know, those quiet neighborhoods that, you know, kind of suburban feel. And so I think it's important to, uh, to, to balance that. And that's where, you know, we, we've got some great local officials here in Blaine, and I really see my role at the state level is supporting them. Uh, you know, so when it, with there's the, the National Sports Center, it's got $40 million worth of deferred maintenance. Um, so I'm looking forward to working to make sure that we get the bonding money uh, to make sure that that remains a world-class facility. Uh, we've got a plan to reimagine some of the area around uh, the sports center to make it more of a walkable downtown feel with nice restaurants and shops to you know, when the people come to the sports center to keep them there. Um, and so I'll be working at the state level to, to support any local needs there. But then it's also, you know, making sure that we're bringing investment into things like our schools. Uh, we have several schools here that were built, you know, just, you know, five, 10 years ago and are already bursting at the seams. So we've got to make sure uh, that we're supporting our, educa- our education system so that we don't have overcrowded classrooms. And also that we are, one of the things I really support is making sure that we're providing more of our education funding from the state level so that as we're seeing booming communities like Blaine, where we're having to build more schools, we're having to hire more teachers, that that burden isn't falling solely on the property taxes here in our area. That's kind of spread that out and, and, you know, that helps all communities across Minnesota when we can pool and share our resources to make sure that every student, regardless of where they live in our state, has access to a high-quality public education in a classroom with a reasonable size. Well, and you can't have expansion by referendum. You know, it's just that's a Republican technique, and it doesn't work because it, all of a sudden, if, it, if the referendum fails, you still have the problems you had before. You just don't have any solution for them. This is kind of you have to have a much more common sense solution. And as you said, your growth is is real. It's undeniable. You're going to need new elementary schools, possibly expanding out new, you know, the high schools and the junior highs. You need to have a better plan than just hope and pray a referendum passes. Exactly. And and I'm a big proponent of public education. I've worked in youth development for most of my career, so working alongside the schools to make sure all of our young people get off to a, a strong and, and healthy start. And that begins with high-quality uh, public education. I'm also a big believer in making sure that there is equal access to after-school programs and summer programs. The data shows that that's where a lot of our gaps 
open up. Uh, and then, of course, the mental health component is so critical as well. I hear about it from students, but I also hear about it from teachers. The past couple of years have been so rough on so many people, um, and you can't do well in a classroom either as a student or a teacher if you're not mentally well. So we've got to make sure at the state level that we're supporting access to counselors, to mental health professionals within our schools for both our students and our teachers. The uh, You've got a lot of endorsements there, a lot of uh, union endorsements, uh, the Environmental Caucus there, but I want to bring up one which I think is the, you know, it's a massive issue this election cycle. You're endorsed by Planned Parenthood. Uh, the Republican Party, their official party platform in May of this year was to overturn Doe v. Gomez. So when you hear a Republican say, oh, we're good enough as it is, their own official platform is that women's health choices are not made by the individual. They're made by the Republican Party. And that is not a health care system I think anyone wants to be involved with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been clear that I support the right of women to make their own health care choices. And it, regardless of what the Republicans might try to tell us, uh, you know, it is an issue that is on the ballot this year. And I, I don't think that the voters believe um, what folks on that side are trying to sell, that, oh, this isn't an issue you should be worried about uh, in the election. Uh, you know, my opponent has made it clear, and to his credit, he's made it clear. It's on his website. He supports uh, personhood for the unborn, which, if you were to carry that out to a logical legal conclusion, it would mean banning abortion in in all cases without exceptions. And it would even go so far as to, you know, make illegal some of the most common forms of birth control. Uh, So, you know, I think this is one area where there is an important contrast for the voters to understand and appreciate when they're going to the ballot box. Well, and it should be a reminder, we're not the ones that put this on the ballot. They did in May when they said they wanted to eliminate abortions in Minnesota. That was their official policy. The fact that Roe v. Wade got overturned doesn't, you know, the fact that they're trying to present themselves to someone else now. No, their official party platform for this election cycle is to eliminate all abortion. That was on the Republicans. We're just making sure people know there are the Democrats who are out there fighting for individual rights like most politicians used to, but apparently the DFL is the one they're doing it now. So there's the good news. Well, and, and you mentioned individual rights. It's, it's you know, obviously the right for women to make their own health care decisions is a really important one. But there's others, especially up here in our area. It's, it's kind of more of there's a little bit of a libertarian streak. Um, I support making uh, allowing people to, to bet on the Vikings if they want to. Um, you know, I support... Uh, you know, legalized uh, marijuana. Um, there's a number of issues uh, where, you know, I support allowing people to make their own individual choices. And my opponent thinks that it's uh, the state's role to make those decisions for them. I was just in Colorado. I've been talking about this. I was just in Colorado this last weekend. You know, it's legal out there. They're making, what was it, $428 million in tax revenue per year on that, talk about you know being able to you know rebuild <laughs> Highway 65 or you know fund schools. Mm-hmm. You know it's 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 and like I said, and no one is forcing anyone to take you know smoke marijuana or take marijuana. No one is doing that. 
And the reality is, is that I agree with you. I think that we're at a time now where, you know, it's if you want individual choice, whether that's in contraception, gay marriage, whether that's in, uh, you know, women's right to choose their own health care or, you know, you know, legalizing marijuana. That party is the DFL. It sure as heck is not the Republicans. They just want to tell you what you can't do. So uh, I want Matt, I want to get people up there because this is a district that if the if the DFL is going to hold the Minnesota House, they need to have you in the Minnesota House. This is not a far district to get to. You can get up there. It is relatively close to the metro area. I say this every day. If you're in a relatively safe DFL district, great. Help your local DFLer, but you got to get up to 32B. You've got to get up to 32B, whether that's with a donation, volunteering, door knocking. Because as Matt, you, you said it, you've been door knocking a lot. If you knock on every door in that district, you're going to win. I'm a big believer in, in door knocking. Uh, we'd love to have people up here. I'm out door knocking every day. Um, if you don't like talking to people, but you like getting outside and walking around, we can, we're going to be doing lit dropping. Uh, if you're you know, wanting to do something closer to home, we can also set you up with uh, doing phone banking from home. Go to my website, votefornorris.com. There's a Get Involved tab up at the top. You can sign up to volunteer there and, and my team. Uh, we'll be in touch to get you all set up with that. Votefornorris.com. And, of course, if you just want to make a donation, by all means, those are welcome as well. Votefornorris.com. Matt Norris, 32B Democrat of the Day. Matt, all my best up there. I, I really I think just on the Highway 65 thing, man, that's a really good idea. I hope that, I hope you get to St. Paul because that's something I think we should follow your lead on that one. Well, thanks, Matt. I'm looking forward to uh, winning in November and then getting it done for our district Absol- and for all the Minnesota. Absolutely. Matt Norris, Democrat of the Day, 32B. Let's take a break. Come on back. Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.